It's indeed for this reason that our Lord Jesus Christ came to earth to suffer and to die for us, to cleanse us in the sprinkling of his blood, to blot out all our offenses. And so we'll be reading that portion of the Passion narrative. But before we do that, leading up to that, we will look into the purpose of his suffering and death. And for that, we'll do some background reading. We'll be looking first at Exodus 24, reading together from Exodus 24, the verses 1 to 8, after which we'll read from Mark 15, the verses 16 to 20, and finally, the focus, our text, Hebrews 10, verses 11 to 25. But we'll begin with Exodus 24, verses 1 to 8. The Lord has been giving his commands to Moses, who was the leader of the people of Israel when they were wandering through the desert before they came into the promised land. And he had been giving these commands as they came out of Egypt, teaching them a new way to live rather than as slaves, as his chosen and redeemed people. We come to this in chapter 24. Now, the Lord said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel, and worship from afar. And Moses alone shall come near the Lord, but they shall not come near, nor shall the people go up with him. So Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments, and all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words which the Lord has said we will do. And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord, and he rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and twelve pillars according to the twelve tribes of Israel. And then he sent young men of the children of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. And Moses took half the blood and put it in basins, and half the blood he sprinkled on the altar. And then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, all that the Lord has said we will do and be obedient And Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, This is the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you according to all these words. Reflecting on that sprinkling of the blood, we will see today how that translates into the New Testament era, how this was pointing ahead to Jesus Christ with Mark chapter 15, verses 16 to 20. Then the soldiers led him, that is Jesus, away into the hall called Praetorium. And they called together the whole garrison, and they clothed him with purple, and they twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head and began to salute him. Hail, King of the Jews! And they struck him on the head with a reed and spat on him, and bowing the knee, they worshipped him. And when they had mocked him, they took the purple off him, put his own clothes on him, and led him out to crucify him. Then reflecting on this crucifixion, and reflecting on the sorrow which Jesus had to undergo, 
we ask ourselves, why was this necessary? And we turn again to Hebrews 10, verses 11 to 25. Every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, pointing to Jesus Christ, This man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. And from that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us. For before, after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after the days, after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and in their, in their hearts and in their minds I will write them. Then he adds their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now, where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. And I'd like to focus especially on those two verses, verses 22 and 23. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, have you ever tried to get stains out of clothes. Some come out easy. You just throw it in the washer and it comes right out. Others, though, can be a lot more difficult. Blood, for example, can be very difficult to get out if you didn't wash it right away. A boy or a girl comes in with a bloody nose because they were just hit by a snowball and What's the first thing you do after you check to make sure they're okay? Take off that sweater. Throw it in cold water or it'll stain. Now, with that picture in mind, imagine that you came home from the kind of assembly that the people of God had with Moses one day with that sprinkling of blood over you. Say your children weren't with you that day. What do you think their first question would be? Dad, Mom, why in the world do you have blood on you? Don't you know that blood stains clothes? Why would you want that? It's very clear that you went through something and you have these spatters of blood on you. And you could tell them as 
you greet them, child, this might look like something that stains, but it is a picture of what has washed me clean. The beautiful thing that we're looking at today, Good Friday, is that as we carry on after this service today, we can say the same thing in response to a similar question. Dad, Mom, why in the world did we just talk about Jesus on the cross? He was beaten and he was led away to be crucified. Why did this have to happen? Why did he bleed? Why did he die? Child, this might look like pain, sorrow, and death. But in this blood, I'm washed clean. This is the picture that the author of the letter to the Hebrews wants to point our eyes to today as we reflect on this, this Good Friday. Hebrews 10, verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And so I proclaim to you the word of God today, draw near through the cross with a true heart and a full assurance of faith. And we'll see, first of all, three things that cloud the heart, and second, being washed in the blood of Jesus. Drawing near with a true heart. Another translation talks about this as drawing near with a sincere heart. What does this look like? Does it look like someone who believes harder and better than those who are around? This can be the temptation to let your mind slip to this. But there's a problem with that. When we measure ourselves by others and we look at their zeal and passion, we can come up feeling pretty empty because we recognize our own need. This brother seems pretty sincere. Look at the way that he lives out his life and talks so openly about his faith. That sister reaches out to half the congregation through the week. Her faith seems a lot more sincere than mine. I have my hands full here at home. And going outside of that seems overwhelming. And the question that can arise in light of that is, can we not have assurance if we look at that and we see these people who seem to be so much more invested than ourselves? When we ourselves are struggling from day to day with regards to this, can we not know if we have a true or sincere, a true or sincere heart? Or maybe that's not even necessarily the question measuring up to someone else. Maybe you're watching today for the first time. And your question here is, I'm here on Good Friday. Do I follow Christ? What does it look like to be right with God? Well, as we look at that, we'll first take a step back and look at the three things that stand out as things that cloud our hearts. And the first one is holding on to guilt so firmly that we can't see 
the grace of God. The second is to try to hide our sin by blaming others. And the third is to brush over forgiveness flippantly. All right. <laughs> Looks like we lost it for a moment, but I'll go back to those three things that stand out as things that cloud our hearts. The first is to hold on to our guilt so tightly that we can't even see the grace of God. The second, to hide our sin by blaming others. And the third is brushing over forgiveness flippantly, things that can cloud our heart. So in the first place, guilt, carrying around a weight of guilt with us can be a huge barrier to wondering if I have a true or sincere heart. Maybe for a failure or shortcoming or something that I should have known, guilt can set up shop in our brain, looking for patterns as to what has happened And triggers begin a cascading series of thoughts, and suddenly, off we go. We look at this event, and we look at that event, and we wonder, what if I had done something else? What if I had been a better worker, a better dad, a better mom? What if I had been a better husband or wife or a better son or daughter? What if I had been a better friend? And our minds can take us on this journey of conversations that might have been, that can never be, events that might have changed things, but that never happened. Even if you feel like it wasn't your fault, and even if someone else tells you it wasn't your fault, you can still carry with you a sense of guilt and a sense of responsibility and how that's heightened when it is your fault when you know it's your fault. What do you do about that from day to day as you're looking back and you're carrying that guilt with you? When that's filling up your mind. This also leads us into the second common thought, the second common struggle to try hide your involvement. This can sometimes follow out of that first one. How? To try push it away and maybe blame another person. And isn't that easy? We see this response as well in one of the earliest stories of humanity, the, the trigger for the very first people to walk this earth. We look back in history, we can see how Adam and Eve, having taken the forbidden fruit from the garden, had run, trembling from God, and they hid from him. And when their sins brought to light, what's their response? The very first response they give. Adam, the woman, she made me do it. Eve, the serpent, he made me do it. It's our sinful human nature to take our sin and to try push it on others as well. This too can cloud our hearts as we come before the Lord. But there's two problems when you just try to hide it, and the first is that your sin doesn't just move to others when you blame them. You can imagine its stain still marks you. Blame is, if you take it as a picture, 
blaming others is like trying to wash out a bloodstain from your dress shirt by grabbing somebody else's dress shirt and scrubbing it along. Their shared guilt might mark them too, but it won't clean you. This is why God teaches us the futility of doing this. You can blame others for your sin, but you're still dealing with it. You've still got it weighing you down. There was a reason that Adam was running from God. There was a reason that he was hiding and trembling. If he thought that he was truly innocent and that it truly was Eve's fault, he wouldn't have been running. But this was because he knew he was trying to push the blame. Did it wipe out anything? Did it cleanse him? Did it set anything right? Did it remove the stain? No. If anything, he just compounded his sin. And the second thing is that it also doesn't fix anything. The sin is still there. The guilt is still there. The stain is still there. The shame is still there. Although you try to bury it deep, trying to hide it doesn't work. In your heart, you know that as you come to God, you're not coming with a sincere heart. You're holding out. You are blaming others. And you feel the barrier between you and God. And so that's the second response that can cloud our relationship with God as we come to God to try hide it and to try blame others for it. The third response that's quite often given is just to brush it away and say lightly, well, I think that Jesus has covered it over. And not actually to deal with the fallout of that. Not actually to come to grips with repentance not actually examine and rejoice in the salvation that's received. To try use Jesus has covered it over as a quick balm, as a shield made of words to duck behind with without actually reflecting on the meaning of those words, the depth and the riches that come with those words. You might compare that to taking that piece of clothing that was stained by blood, bringing it to a dry cleaner, but leaving it in the bag after it comes home. Then it just remains a theory for us. I'm pretty sure I'm okay. Without us being able to come to God without that nagging suspicion that I haven't actually been washed clean. I'm not entirely sure if this is clean. So what does our passage point us to? Our passage in Hebrews points us today to Jesus Christ crucified. Our passage in Hebrews points us to sprinkled blood. To blood that stains, blood that leaves a mark. To blood that leads children to ask, why do you have this mark on you? Or that leads our children today to say, why did this need to happen? It points to Jesus who hung on a cross this Good Friday so many years before and whose work now is done. The invisible mark of Christ's blood is something that publicly shows that you recognize both your sin and your need. Coming to Jesus and recognizing him especially on this Good Friday as we look at his suffering and his death. It's a recognition that his work now is finished. 
And your guilt is no longer something that owns you. Your sin is not something that you try to shift the blame on. Christ's blood is not just a theory of maybe forgiveness that you hold on to. But it is something that truly, genuinely took place. You yourself heard those words as we read them in Mark. And as you come later today, maybe at lunchtime, maybe at supper time, to read through that passion narrative again as Jesus suffers and dies on the cross, as he's crucified for us, you can dwell on those words. This is something that took place. These are cleansing words. And the blood that spilled is a cleansing blood. This is a rich treasure that you respond in faith to. It's like the question asked in that old hymn, Washed in the Blood, have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in his grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Lay aside the garments that are stained with sin and be washed in the blood of the Lamb. There is a fountain flowing for the soul unclean. Oh, be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Draw near with a true heart. Confess your sin openly before God as you reflect on our Lord Jesus Christ suffering on the cross. See yourself as you really are. Take full ownership of the consequences of your sins. Looking at him on the cross. Just as the Israelites looked at the blood that was sprinkled and saw that blood that stained them, saying, this blood that spilled ought to have been mine, you look you yourself look, look to Jesus hanging on the cross saying this blood that spilled, that ought to be mine. You and I deserved that. You and I deserved God's wrath completely poured out on us. Our lives are forfeit. Look at the cross. But don't remain there. Come to God confessing that blood was spilled and it was spilled for me. And then as you come forward, recognize how this Friday was good. Recognize that this was done for you. For your benefit. And as you rejoice in that, though you were stained with sin... You are laundered. You are washed in the blood of Christ. That is the difference between coming with a true heart. A difference between that and those three responses. You don't come to God lightly, but you remember Jesus as vividly and clearly as he's pictured in our passage here in Mark. As he's pictured being beaten and being led away to be crucified. And later on as he's pictured there hanging in his agony. Remembering his betrayal. The beatings he suffered. The mockings he endured. And the death that he faced in vivid detail. 
facing your own sin, you look at it directly and you say, this is mine. This is what I have done. And what Christ has suffered is what I deserve. Each and every moment of agony and the infinite wrath of God poured out on him, I deserve nothing less. And yet you, Lord, you had mercy. Because the blood of Jesus marks you. As you come to Christ in faith, the blood of Jesus marks you. Consider the ancient Israelites. They didn't do anything to deserve the blood that was sprinkled on them by Moses to be chosen out of the nations and to be led out into freedom. They just showed up to receive what was freely offered. They faced their own sin, the recognition of the need of their own sin by receiving that blood that was sprinkled on them. By God's grace, they were brought to see their own need. They needed cleansing for what they had done. They needed it set right, and they could only find that with God himself, and God himself offered it to them. Here, too, we look to the blood of Jesus that marks us. We didn't do anything to deserve the blood that is sprinkled, the blood that is poured out for us. As one theologian wrote, all we did, all we contributed, was the sin that made it necessary. Yet, by the working of the Holy Spirit who convicts us and who leads us. We come to God to receive what he freely offers us through Jesus Christ. And then that blood marks us as a badge, a badge that gives us, as we read in Hebrews, an entry into a new and better way. In the days of ancient Israel, they trusted that the work of the priest was sufficient and they told their children about it. But that was just a picture. A picture that had power, yes, because God made it so. But it was still only a picture. But we have more. We have the real thing. They didn't have the full thing in itself. They just had the sign, the shadow that pointed ahead to the reality that we have in Christ. But you read the gospel you saw the evidence. We have forgiveness in Christ who hung on the cross. And so here we can not only trust, but we can know. Because as we just read, Christ hung on the cross, he paid for our sin, and it is finished. And here we can look to those powerful words from the book of Romans, Romans 5, verses 8 to 9, that God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. This deals with our guilt. When we look back, and we reflect on those things that we have done. And our minds are spinning through that. And the guilt weighs us down. We can look up to the cross again. Jesus didn't die for us. 
not knowing who we are. While we are still sinners, knowing exactly who we are, every single secret corner of our hearts, Christ still chose to die for us. That stain of sprinkled blood was an outward mark, a recognition of what is true for you on the inside. And yet it's a sign that you are also cleansed from that stain. It's a recognition that he knew and he knows that you need it and that you are guilty, that you were guilty before him. And yet it's a sign Also, like it says in the prophecy of Isaiah, chapter 1, verse 18, that though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. This is what Christ's blood cleanses you from, what that sprinkled blood washes from you. This also keeps us from blaming others. The fact that we can't hide anything, Christ already knows it all. God the Father let his Son die for us, for each of those sins that we bring out of the dark and we bring before him. Why try to hide it? He knows. He knows and Christ still died. Let's come to Christ, not hiding it, but confessing our sin, knowing that we are saved from wrath through him, knowing that we can come to the throne of grace with full assurance in our hearts. This also keeps us from the uncertainty and the the uncertainty that glossing over our sin with a quick, I'm pretty sure I'm okay, gives us without actually dwelling on us and still constantly living in fear of that piece of clothing that is wrapped in a garment bag that you are not entirely sure is cleansed. Fix your eyes on the crucified Christ in his agony. Remember those words in Romans 5. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Remember the picture of the sprinkled blood and the cleansing that it brings for the people who draw near to God. Confessing your sins to God. Then in the words of verse 22 of our passage in Hebrews, do draw near in full assurance of faith because you are cleansed knowing that your hearts are sprinkled, your bodies washed with pure water, that because of Christ, having fixed your eyes on him, you stand clean. Confess with wholehearted joy Christ on the cross, even as you grieve and acknowledge that it was necessary because of your guilt and my guilt. This Good Friday. Hold fast without wavering. Not because you are righteous, but because you have been cleansed. Not because you are faithful, but because, verse 23, he who promised is faithful. Your conscience is sprinkled with the blood of the Lamb. Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. When your conscience accuses you, you have been covered. 
when you grieve your sin and rejoice in righteousness, when you talk with your boys and girls who ask you, why is this necessary? Then you can confess that this was indeed a good Friday. And in that celebration and remembrance, you are able to have peace. You are led to that full assurance and you're able to talk with others about this. As we look to the cross and fix our gaze on Jesus, his blood is the balm that soothes our wounds, that heals us and that cleanses us. His blood sprinkled on us is what grants us this peace as we deal with those three struggles, holding on to guilt so firmly that we can't see the grace of God, trying to blame others and brushing over forgiveness lightly. His blood has dealt with it all. His blood lets us confront ourselves as we really are. And his blood lets us confess that though our sins were like scarlet, we have been made whiter than snow. Amen.